when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord James. Stately clump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Circe, episode two. Read by Adam Biles, Ben Brown, Heather Hartley, Octavia Horgan, Kate Poston, Francesca Reese, with Linda Fallon as Leopold Bloom and Lex Paulson as the narrator. Zoe Higgins, a young whore in a sapphire slip closed with three bronze buckles, a slim black velvet fillet round her throat, nods, trips down the steps, and accosts Bloom. Zoe. Are you looking for someone? He's inside with his friend. Is this Mrs. Max? No, 81. Mrs. Collins. You might go farther and fare worse. Mother slipper slapper. Familiarly. She's on the job herself tonight with the vet, her tipster. That gives her all the winners and pays for her son in Oxford. Working overtime, but her luck's turned today. Suspiciously. You're not his father, are you? Not I. You're both in black. Has little mousy any tickles tonight? His skin, alert, feels her fingertips approach. A hand slides over his left thigh. How's the nuts? Offside. Curiously, they're on the right. Heavier, I suppose. One in a million, my tailor, Messias, says. Zoe, in sudden alarm. You have a hard canker. Not likely. I feel it. Her hand slides into his left trouser pocket and brings out a hard, black, shriveled potato. She regards it and bloom with dumb, moist lips. A talisman. Heirloom. For Zoe. For keeps. For being so nice, eh? She puts the potato greedily into a pocket, then links his arm, cuddling him with supple warmth. He smiles uneasily. Slowly, note by note, oriental music is played. He gazes in the tawny crystal of her eyes, ringed with kohol. His smile softens. You'll know me the next time. Bloom forlornly. I never loved a dear gazelle, but it was sure to... Gazelles are leaping, feeding on the mountains, near our lakes. Round their shores file shadows black of cedar rose. Aroma rises, a strong hair growth of resin. It burns, the Orient, a sky of sapphire cleft by the bronze flight of eagles. Under it lies the women's city, nude, white, still, cool, in luxury. A fountain murmurs among damask roses, mammoth roses, murmur of scarlet wine grapes, a wine of shame, lust, blood, exudes, strangely murmuring. Zoe, murmuring sing-song with the music, her odalesque lips lusciously smeared with salve of swine fat and rose water. Bloom, fascinated. I thought you were all good stuff by your accent. And you know what thought did. She bites his ear, gently, with little gold-stopped teeth, sending on him a cloying breath of stale garlic. The roses draw apart, disclose a sepulchre of the gold of kings and their mouldering bones. Bloom draws back, mechanically caressing her right bub with a flat, awkward, awkward hand. Are you a Dublin girl? Zoe catches a stray hair deftly and twists it to her coil. No bloody fear, I'm English. Have you a swag of root? Bloom, as before. Rarely smoke, dear. Cigar now and then. Childish device. Lewdly. The mouth can be better engaged than with a cylinder of rank weed. Zoe. Go on. Make a stump speech out of it. Bloom, in workmen's corduroy overalls, black Gansey with red floating tie and a patchy cap. Mankind is incorrigible. 
So Walter Raleigh brought from the new world that potato and that weed. The one a killer of pestilence by absorption, the other a poisoner of the ear, eye, heart, memory, will, understanding, all. That is to say, he brought the poison a hundred years before another person whose name I forgot brought the food. Suicide, lies, all our habits. Why, look at our public life. Midnight chimes from distant steeples. The chimes. Bloom in alderman's gown and chain. Electors of Arran Key, Inns Key, Rotunda, Mount Joy and North Dock. Better run a tramline, I say, from the cattle market to the river. That's the music of the future. That's my programme. Qui bono? But our buccaneering Vanderdeckens in their phantom ship of finance. An elector. Three times three for our future chief magistrate. The aurora borealis of the torchlight procession leaps. The torchbearers. Hooray! Several well-known burgesses, city magnates and freemen of the city shake hands with Bloom and congratulate him. Timothy Harrington, late thrice Lord Mayor of Dublin, imposing in mayoral scarlet, gold chain and white silk tie, confers with Councillor Lorcan Sherlock, locum tenens. They nod vigorously in agreement. Late Lord Mayor Harrington, in scarlet robe with mace, gold, gold mayoral chain and large white silk scarf. That Alderman Sir Leo Bloom's speech be printed at the expense of the ratepayers, that the house in which he was born be ornamented with a commemorative tablet, and that the thoroughfare hitherto known as Cow Parlour of Cork Street be henceforth designated Boulevard Bloom. Councillor Lorcan Sherlock. Carried unanimously. Bloom, impassionedly. These flying Dutchmen, or lying Dutchmen, as they recline in their upholstered poop, Casting dice? What wreck they? Machines is their cry, their chimera, their panacea. Labour-saving apparatuses, supplanters, bugbears, manufactured monsters for mutual murder, hideous hobgoblins produced by a horde of capitalistic lusts upon our prostituted labour. The poor man stars while they are grassing their royal mountain stags or shooting peasants and partridges in their poor blind pomp of pelf and power. But the rain is rover forever and ever and ever. Prolonged applause. Venetian masts, maypoles, and festal arches spring up. A streamer bearing the legends Cade Milafoitja and Ma Tob Melek Israel spans the street. All the windows are thronged with sightseers, chiefly ladies. Along the route, the regiments of the Royal Dublin Fusiliers, the King's own Scottish Borderers, the Cameron Highlanders, and the Welsh Fusiliers, standing to attention, keep back the crowd. Boys from high school are perched on the lampposts, telegraph poles, windowsills, cornices, gutters, chimney pots, railings, rain spouts, whistling and cheering. The pillar of the cloud appears. A fife and drum band is heard in the distance playing the Kol Nidra. The beaters approach with imperial eagles hoisted, trailing banners and waving oriental palms. The chryselephantine papal standard rises high, surrounded by pennons of the civic flag. The van of the procession appears headed by John Howard Parnell, city marshal, in a chessboard tabard, the Athlone, Poursuivant, and Ulster King of Arms. They are followed by the Right Honorable Joseph Hutchinson, Lord Mayor of Dublin, the Lord Mayor of Cork, their worships the mayors of Limerick, Galway, Sligo, and Waterford. Twenty-eight Irish representative peers, Sir grandees and maharajas branding the cloth of estate, the double metropolitan fire brigade, the chapter of the saints of finance and their plutocratic order of precedence, the bishop of Down and Connor, his eminence Michael Cardinal Logue, Archbishop of Armagh, primate of all Ireland, his grace, the most reverend Dr. William Alexander, Archbishop of Armagh, primate of all Ireland, the chief rabbi, the Presbyterian moderator, the heads of the Baptist, Anabaptist, Methodist and Moravian chapels, and the honorary secretary of the Society of Friends.
After them marched the guilds and trades and train bands with flying colors, coopers, bird fanciers, millwrights, newspaper canvassers, law scriveners, masseurs, vintners, truss makers, chimney sweeps, lard refiners, tabinet and poplin weavers, farriers, Italian warehousemen, church decorators, bootjack manufacturers, undertakers, silk mercers, lapidaries, salesmasters, court cutters, assessors of fire losses, dyers and cleaners, export butlers, fellmongers, ticket writers, heraldic sale engravers, house repository hands, bullion brokers, chicken and archery outfitters, riddle makers, egg and potato factors, hosiers and glovers, plumbing contractors. After them, marched gentlemen of the bedchamber, black rod, deputy garter, gold stick, the master of horse, the lord great chamberlain, the earl marshal, the high constable carrying the sword of state, St. Stephen's iron crown, the chalice and bible. Four buglers on foot blow a senate. Beefeaters reply, winding clarions of welcome. Under an arch of triumph, Bloom appears bareheaded in a crimson velvet mantle trimmed with ermine, bearing St. Edward's staff, the orb and scepter with the dove, the kirtana. He is seated on a milk-white horse with long flowing crimson tail, richly caparisoned with golden headstall. Wild excitement. The ladies from their balconies throw down rose petals. The air is perfumed with essences. The men cheer. Bloom's boys run amidst the bystanders with branches of hawthorn and wren bushes. Bloom's boys. The wren, the wren, the king of all birds. St. Stephen's his day was caught in the furs. A blacksmith murmurs. For the honour of God. And is that Bloom? He scarcely looks 31. A pavier and flagger. That's the famous, famous Bloom now. now. The world's greatest reformer. Hats off. All uncover their heads. Women whisper eagerly. A millionaires richly. Isn't he simply wonderful? A noblewoman, nobly. All that man has seen. A feminist, masculinely. And done. A bell hanger. A classic face. He has the forehead of a thinker. Bloom's weather. A sunburst appears in the northwest. The Bishop of Down and Connor. I here present your undoubted Emperor, President, and King Jem, and the most serene and patient and very puissant ruler of this realm. God save Leopold the First! God save Leopold the First! Bloom in Dalmatic and purple mantle to the Bishop of Down and Connor with dignity. Thanks. Somewhat eminent, sir. William, Archbishop of Armagh, in purple stock and shovel hat. Will you, to your power, cause law and mercy to be executed in all your judgments in Ireland and territories thereunto belonging? Bloom, placing his right hand on his testicles, swears. So may the creator deal with me. All this I promise to do. Michael, Archbishop of Armagh, pours a cruise of hair oil over Bloom's head. Gaudium magnum anuntio vobis habemus carneficum. Leopold, Patrick, Andrew, David, George. Be thou anointed. Bloom assumes a mantle of cloth of gold and puts on a ruby ring. He ascends and stands on the stone of destiny. The representative peers put on at the same time their 28 crowns. Joy bells ring in Christ Church St. Patrick's, George's and Gay Malahide. Miris bizarre fireworks go up from all sides with symbolical fallow pyrotechnic designs. The peers do homage one by one, approaching and genuflecting the peers. I do, I do become your liege man of life and limb to earthly worship. Bloom holds up his right hand on which sparkles the Kohinoor diamond. His palfrey neighs. Immediate silence. Wireless intercontinental interplanetary transmitters are set for reception of message. Bloom. My subjects, we hereby nominate our faithful charger, Copula Felix, hereditary grand vizier, and announce that we have this day repudiated our former spouse, and have bestowed our royal hand upon the Princess Celine, the splendor of night. 
The former morganatic spouse of Bloom is hastily removed in the Black Maria. The Princess Selene, in moon-blue robes, a silver crescent on her head, descends from a sedan chair, borne by two giants. An outburst of cheering. John Howard Parnell raises the royal standard. Illustrious Bloom, successor to my famous brother. Bloom embraces John Howard Parnell. We thank you from our hearts, John, for this right royal welcome to Green Erin, the promised land of our common ancestors. The freedom of the city is presented to him embodied in a charter. The keys of Dublin, crossed on a crimson cushion, are given to him. He shows all that he is wearing green socks. Tom Kernan. You deserve it, Your Honor. Bloom. On this day, 20 years ago, we overcame the hereditary enemy at Ladysmith. Our howitzers and Campbell's swivel guns played on his line with telling effect. Half a league onward, they charge. All is lost now. Do we yield? No, we drive them headlong. Lo, we charge. Deploying to the left, our light horse swept across the heights of Plevna and uttering their war cry, bonafide Sabbath, sabred the Saracen gunners to a man. The chapel of freemen typesetters. John Wise Nolan. There's the man that got away Jane Stevens. A blue coat schoolboy. Bravo. An old resident. You're a credit to your country, sir. That's what you are. An apple woman. Oh, he's a man like Arlen wants. Bloom. My beloved subjects, a new era is about to dawn. I, Bloom, tell you verily, it is even now at hand. Yea, on the word of a Bloom, he shall ere long enter into the golden city, which is to be the new Bloomusalem in the Nova Hibernia of the future. 32 workmen wearing rosettes, all from all the counties of Ireland, under the guidance of Durwan the Builder, construct the new Bloomusalem. It is a colossal edifice with crystal roof built in the shape of a huge pork kidney containing 40,000 rooms. In the course of its extension, several buildings and monuments are demolished. Government offices are temporarily transferred to, to railway sheds. Numerous houses are raised to the ground. The inhabitants are lodged in barrels and boxes, all marked in red with the letters LB. Several poppers fall from a ladder. A part of the walls of Dublin, crowded with loyal sightseers, collapses. The sightseers, dying, they die. A man in a brown Macintosh springs up through a trapdoor. He points an elongated finger at Bloom. Don't you believe a word, he says. That man is Leopold Macintosh, the notorious fire raiser. His real name is Higgins. Bloom. Shoot him, dog of a Christian. So much for Macintosh. A cannon shot. The man in the Macintosh disappears. Bloom, with his scepter, strikes down poppies. The instantaneous deaths of many powerful enemies, graziers, members of parliament, members of standing committees, are reported. Bloom's bodyguard distribute Monday money, commemoration medals, loaves and fishes, temperance badges, expensive Henry Clay cigars, free cowboys for soup, rubber preservatives in sealed envelopes tied with gold thread, butterscotch, pineapple rock, billet doux in the form of cocked hats, ready-made suits, porringers of toad in the hole, bottles of Jay's fluid, purchase stamps, 40 days indulgences, furious coins, dairy-fed pork sausage, Theater passes, season tickets available for all tram lines, coupons of the Royal and Privileged Hungarian Lottery, penny dinner counters, cheap reprints of the world's 12 worst books, Froggy and Fritz, Politic, Care of the Baby, Infantilic, 50 meals for 7 over 6, Kulinic, Was Jesus a Sun Myth? Historic, Expel that Pain, Medic, Infinite's Compendium of the Universe, Cosmic, Let's All Chortle, Hilaric, Canvassers Vade Mecum, Journalic, Love Letters of Mother Assistant, Erotic, Who's Who in Space, Asterisk. Songs that reached our heart. Melodic. Pennyways' way to wealth. Parsimonic. A general rush and scramble. Women press forward to touch the hem of Bloom's robe. The Lady Gwendolyn Dubedat bursts through the throng, leaps on his horse, and kisses him on both cheeks amid great acclamation. A magnesium flashlight photograph is taken. Babes and sucklings are held up. The women. Little father! Little father! The babes and sucklings. 
Bloom, bending down, pokes Baby Boardman gently in the stomach. Baby Boardman hiccups, curdled milk flowing from his mouth. <laughs> Bloom, shaking hands with a, bra- with a blind stripling. My more than brother. Placing his arms around the shoulders of an old couple. Dear old friends. He plays pussy four corners with ragged boys and girls. Peep, boop, peep. He wheels twins in a perambulator. He performs juggler's tricks, draws red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet silk handkerchiefs from his mouth. Roy Guinea beamed, 32 feet per second. He consoles a widow. Absence makes the heart grow younger. He dances the highland fling with grotesque antics. Legacy, devils. He kisses the bedsores of a palsied veteran. Honorable wounds. He trips up a fat policeman. You pee. Up. You pee. He whispers in the ear of a blushing waitress and laughs kindly. Ah, naughty, naughty. He eats a raw turnip offered him by Maurice Butterly, farmer. Fine. Splendid. He refuses to accept three shillings offered to him by Joseph Hines, journalist. My dear fellow, not at all. He gives his coat to a beggar. Please accept. He takes part in a stomach race with elderly male and female cripples. Come on, boys. Regular girls. The citizen, choked with emotion, brushes aside a tear in his emerald muffler. May the good God bless him. The ram's horn sound for silence. The standard of Zion is hoisted. Bloom uncloaks impressively, revealing obesity, unrolls a paper and reads solemnly. Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, Haggadah, Tephilim, Kosher, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah, Beni, Rith, Bar Mitzvah, Mazoth, Askenazim, Meshuggah, Talith. An official translation is read by Jimmy Henry, assistant town clerk. The court of conscience is now open. His most Catholic majesty will now administer open-air justice. Free medical and legal advice, solution of doubles and other problems, all cordially invited. Given at this, our loyal city of Dublin, in the year one of the paradisiacal era. Paddy Leonard. What am I to do about my rates and taxes? Pay them, my friend. Thank you. Nosy Flynn. Can I raise a mortgage on my fire insurance? Bloom, obdurately. Sirs, take notice that by the law of the torts, you are bound over in your own reconnaissances for six months in the sum of five pounds. J.J. O'Malloy. A Daniel, did I say? Nay, a Peter O'Brien. Nosy Flynn. Where do I draw the five pounds? Pisser Burke. For bladder trouble? Acid knit hydrochlorodil, 20 minims. Dinked mix vom, 4 minims. Extra tarexyl leg, 30 minims. Ac dis ter Chris Callanan. What is the parallax of the solar ecliptic of Aldebaran? Pleased to hear from you, Chris K2. Joe Hines. Wear that new uniform. When my progenitor of sainted memory wore the uniform of the Austrian despot in a dank prison, where was yours? Ben Dollard. Pansies! Embellish, beautify suburban gardens. Ben Dollard. When twins arrive? Father, Peter, Dad. Starts thinking. Larry O'Rourke. An eight-day license for my new premises. You remember me, Sir Leo, when you were in number seven? I'm sending around a dozen of stout for the missus. Bloom coldly. You have the advantage of me. Lady Bloom accepts no presents. Crofton. This is indeed a festivity. Bloom solemnly. You call it a festivity. I call it a sacrament. Alexander Keyes. Why will we have our own house of keys? I stand for the reform of municipal morals and the plain Ten Commandments. New worlds for old. Union of all. Jew, Muslim, and Gentile. Three acres and a cow for all children of nature. Saloon, motor horses. Compulsory manual labour for all. All parks open to the public day and night. Electric dish scrubbers. Tuberculosis, lunacy, war and mendicancy must now cease. 
general amnesty, weekly carnival with mass license, bonuses for all, Esperanto, the universal brotherhood. No more patriotism of bar spongers and dropsical imposters. Free money, free love, and a free lay church and a free lay state. Omadden Burke. Free fox and a free hen roost. Davy Byrne, yawning. <sighs> Bloom. Mixed races and mixed marriage. Lenahan. What about mixed bathing? Bloom explains to those near him his schemes for social regeneration. All agree with him. The keeper of the Kildare Street Museum appears, dragging a lorry on which are the shrinking statues of several naked goddesses. Venus Calipige, Venus Pandemos, Venus Metempsychosis, and plaster figures, also naked, representing the new nine muses. Commerce, operatic music, amour, publicity, manufacture, liberty of speech, plural voting, gastronomy, private hygiene, seaside concert entertainments, painless obstetrics, and... Astronomy for the people. Father Farley. Well, he's an Episcopalian, an agnostic, a, an anything Arian, seeking to overthrow our holy faith. Mrs. Reardon tears up her will. I'm disappointed in you, you bad man! Mother Grogan removes her boot to throw it at Bloom. You beast, you abominable person. Nosy Flynn. Give us a tune, Bloom, one of the old sweet songs. Bloom with rollicking humour. I vowed that I never would leave her. She turned out a cruel deceiver. With my tour-a-loom, 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 tour-a-loom. Happy Hollihan. Good old Bloom, there's no one like him after all. Paddy Leonard. Stage Irishman. What railway opera is like a tramline in Gibraltar? The Rose of Castile. <laughs> <laughs> Lenehan. Plagiarist, down with Bloom. The Veiled Sybil, enthusiastically. I'm a bullmate and I glory in it. I believe in him in spite of all. I'd give my life for him. The funniest man on earth. Bloom winks at the bystanders. I bet she's a bonnie lassie. Theodore Purifoy in fishing cap and oilskin jacket. He employs a mechanical device to frustrate the sacred ends of nature. The veiled Sybil stabs herself. My hero, God! She dies. Many most attractive and enthusiastic women also commit suicide by stabbing, drowning, drinking prussic acid, acondite, arsenic, opening their veins, refusing food, casting themselves under steamrollers from the top of Nelson's Pillar into the great vat of Guinness's Brewery, asphyxiating themselves by placing their heads in gas ovens, hanging themselves in stylish garters, leaping from windows of different stories. Alexander J. Dowie, violently. Fellow Christians and anti-Bloomites, the man called Bloom is from the roots of hell. A disgrace to Christian men, a fiendish libertine from his earliest years, this stinking goat of Mendes gave precocious signs of infantile debauchery, recalling the cities of the plain with a dissolute grandam. This vile hypocrite, bronzed with infamy, is the white bull mentioned in the apocalypse. A worshipper of the scarlet woman, intrigue is the very breath of his nostrils. The steak faggots and the cauldron of boiling oil are for him. Caliban! The mob. Lynch him! Roast him! He's as bad as Parnell was, Mr. Fox! Mother Grogan throws her boot at Bloom. Several shopkeepers from Upper and Lower Dorset Street throw objects of little or no commercial value. Ham bones, condensed milk tins, unsaleable cabbage, stale bread, sheep's tails, odd pieces of fat. Bloom, excitedly. This is midsummer madness. Some ghastly joke again. By heaven, I'm guiltless as the unsunned snow. It was my brother Henry. He is my double. He lives in number two, Dolphin's Barn. Slander the viper has wrongfully accused me. Fellow countrymen, Skinnel in Bonbata, Quishta Goncopel. I call my old friend, Dr. Maliki Mulligan, sex specialist, to give medical testimony on my behalf. Dr. Mulligan, in motor jerk and green motor goggles on his brow. Dr. Bloom is bisexually abnormal. He has recently escaped from Dr. Eustace's private asylum for demented gentlemen. Born out of bedlock, hereditary epilepsy is present, the consequence of unbridled lust. 
Traces of elephantiasis have been discovered among his ascendants. There are marked symptoms of chronic exhibitionism. Ambidexterity is also latent. He is prematurely bald from self-abuse, perversely idealistic in consequence, a reformed rake, and has metal teeth. In consequence of a family complex, he has temporarily lost his memory, and I believe him to be more sinned against than sinning. Uh, made a pervaginal examination, and after application of the acid test of 5427 anal, axillary, pectoral, and pubic hairs, I declare him to be Virgo intacta. Bloom holds his high-grade hat over his genital organs. Dr. Madden. Hypsopadia is also marked. In the interest of coming generations, I suggest that the parts affected should be preserved in spirits of wine in the National Teratological Museum. Dr. Crothers. I have examined the patient's urine. It is albuminoid. Salivation is insufficient. The patellar reflex intermittent. Dr. Punch Costello. The fatal radiatrice is most susceptible. Dr. Dixon reads a bill of health. Professor Bloom is a finished example of the new womanly man. His moral nature is simple and lovable. Many have found him a dear man, a dear person. He is a rather quaint fellow on the whole, coy though not feeble-minded in the medical sense. He has written a really beautiful letter, a poem in itself, to the court missionary of the Reformed Priests Protection Society, which clears everything up. He is practically a total abstainer, and I can affirm that he sleeps on a straw litter and eats the most Spartan food, cold, dried, grossest peas. He wears a hair shirt, winter and summer, and scourges himself every Saturday. He was, I understand, at one time a first-class misdemeanant in Glencree Reformatory. Another report states that he was a very posthumous child. I appeal for clemency in the name of the most sacred word our vocal organs have been called upon to speak. He is about to have a baby. General commotion and compassion. Women faint. A wealthy American makes a street collection for Bloom. Gold and silver coins, bank checks, banknotes, jewels, treasury bonds, maturing bills of exchange, IOUs, wedding rings, watch chains, lockets, necklaces, and bracelets are rapidly collected. Bloom. Oh, I so want to be a mother. Mrs. Thornton, in Nurse Tender's gown. Embrace me tight, dear. You'll soon be over it. Tight, dear. Bloom embraces her tightly and bears eight male yellow and white children. They appear on a red carpeted staircase adorned with expensive plants. All are handsome, with valuable metallic faces, well-made, respectably dressed, and well-conducted, speaking five modern languages fluently and interested in various arts and sciences. Each has his name printed in legible letters on his shirt front. Nazadoro. Goldfinger, Chrysostomus, Mandoré, Silver Smile, Silver Silver, Vif Argent, Penalgiros. They are immediately appointed to positions of high public trust in several different countries as managing directors of banks, traffic managers of railways, chairman of limited liability companies, vice chairman of hotel syndicates. A voice. Bloom, are you the Messiah Ben Joseph or Ben David? Bloom, darkly. You have said it. Brother Buzz. Then perform a miracle. Bantam Lions. Prophecy who will win the Saint Leger. Bloom walks on a net, covers his left eye with his left ear, passes through several walls, climbs Nelson's pillar, hangs from the top ledge by his eyelids, eats twelve dozen oysters, shells included, heals several sufferers from king's evil, contracts his face so as to resemble many historical personages, Lord Beaconfield, Lord Byron, Watt Tyler, Moses of Egypt, Moses Maimonides, Moses Mendelssohn, Henry Irving, Rip Van Winkle, Kossuth, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Baron Leopold Rothschild, Robinson Crusoe, Sherlock Holmes, Pasteur, turns each foot simultaneously in different directions, bids the tide turn back, eclipses the sun by extending his little finger. Brini, Papal Nuncio. In Papal Zouave's uniform, steel cuirasses as breastplate, arm plates, thigh plates, leg plates, large profane mustaches, and brown paper mitre. Leopoldi autum generatio. 
Moses begat Noah, and Noah begat Eunuch, and Eunuch begat O'Halloran, and O'Halloran begat Guggenheim, and Guggenheim begat Agendath, and Agendath begat Netaim, and Netaim begat Lehelsh, and Lehelsh begat Jerurim, and Jesurim begat Mackay, and Mackay begat Ostrolopsky, and Ostrolopsky begat Smerdos, and Smerdos begat Weiss, and Weiss begat Schwarz, and Schwarz begat Ariandopoli, and Adrianopoli begat Aranjuez, and Aranjuez begat Lowy Lawson, and Lowy Lawson begat Ichabudonoso, and Ichabudonoso begat O'Donnell Magnus, and O'Donnell Magnus begat Christbaum, and Christbaum begat Ben Maimon, and Ben Maimon begat Dusty Rhodes, and Dusty Rhodes begat Ben Amor, and Ben Amor begat Joan Smith, and Joan Smith begat Savog Nanovich, and Savog Nanovich begat Jasper Stone, and Jasper Stone begat Ventunyem, and Ventunyem begat Sombathali, and Sombathali begat Virag, and Virag begat at bloom et vocabitur nomen eus Emmanuel. A dead hand writes on the wall. Bloom is a cod. A crab in Bushranger's guilt. What do you do in the cattle creek behind Kilbarak? A female infant shakes a rattle. And under Ballyville Bridge? A holly bush. And in the Devil's Glen? Bloom blushes furiously all over from front to mates, three tears falling from his left eye. There my past. The Irish evicted tenants in body coats, knee breeches with Donnybrook fair shillelaghs. Shamrock him! Bloom, with ass's ears, seats himself in the pillory with crossed arms, his feet protruding. He whistles Don Giovanni, a cenarteco, Artane orphans, joining hands, caper round him. Girls of the prison gate mission, joining hands, caper round in the opposite direction. The Artane orphans. You hig, you hog, you dirty dog. You think the ladies love you. The prison gate girls. If you see Kay, tell him he may. See you in tea. Tell him from me. Hornblower in ephod and hunting cap announces. And who shall carry the sins of the people to Azazel, the spirit which is in the wilderness, and to Lilith, the night hag? And they shall stone him and defile him, yea, all from Agendath Netaim and from Miseraim, the land of Ham. All the people cast soft pantomime stones at Bloom. Many bonafide travellers and ownerless dogs come near him and defile him. Mastiansky and Citron approach in gabardines, wearing long earlocks. They wag their beards at Bloom. Mastiansky and Citron. Belial, Lamline of Istria, the false messiah! George S. Macius, Bloom's tailor, appears, a tailor's goose under his arm, presenting a bill. Macius. To alteration, one pair of trousers, 11 shillings. Bloom rubs his hands cheerfully. Just like old times. Poor Bloom. Reuben J. Dodd, black-bearded Iscariot, Blad Shepherd, bearing on his shoulders the drowned corpse of his son, approaches the pillory. Reuben J. whispers hoarsely. The squeak is out. A split is gone for the flatties. Nip the first rattler. The fire brigade. <laughs> Brother Buzz invests Bloom in a yellow habit with embroidery of painted flames and a high-pointed hat. He places a bag of gunpowder around his neck and hands him over to the civil power, saying, Forgive him his trespasses. Lieutenant Myers of the Dublin Fire Brigade, by general request, sets fire to Bloom. Lamentations. The citizen. Thank heaven. Bloom, in a seamless garment marked I-H-S, stands upright amid phoenix flames. Weep not for me, O daughters of Erin. He exhibits to Dublin reporters traces of burning. The daughters of Erin, in black garments with large prayer books and long lighted candles in their hands, kneel down and pray. The daughters of Erin. Kidney of bloom, pray, pray for, for us. us.
Flower of the Bath, pray for us. Mentor of Menton, pray for us. Canvasser for the Freeman, pray for us. Charitable Mason, pray for us. Wandering Soak, pray for us. Sweets of Sin, pray for us. Music Without Words, pray for us. Reprover of the Citizen, pray for us. Friend of All Frillies, pray for us. Midwife Most Merciful, pray for us. Potato preservative against plague and pestilence. Pray, Pray for us. us. A choir of 600 voices, conducted by Mr. Vincent O'Brien, sings the Alleluia Chorus, accompanied on the organ by Joseph Glynn. Bloom becomes mute, shrunken, carbonized. Talk away till you're black in the face. Bloom, in Calvin with clay pipe, stuck in the band, dusty brogues. An emigrant's red handkerchief bundle in his hand leading a black bogoic pig by a sugan with a smile in his eye. Let me be going now, woman of the house. By all the coats and goats in Connemara, I'm after having the father and mother of a baiting. With a tear in his eye. All insanity. Patriotism, sorrow for the dead, music, future of the race. To be or not to be. Life's dream is o'er. End it peacefully. They can live on. He gazes far away, mournfully. I am, I am ruined. A few pastilles of aconite. The blinds drawn, a letter, and lie back to rest. He breathes softly. No more. I have lived. Fair. Farewell. Zoe, stiffly, her finger in the neck fillet. Honest? Till the next time? She sneers. Suppose you got the wrong side of the bed or came too quick with your best girl. Well, I can read your thoughts. Bloom, bitterly. Man and woman. Love. What is it? A cork and bottle. Zoe, in sudden socks. I hate a rotter that's insincere. Give a bleeding whore a chance. Bloom, repentantly. I am very disagreeable. You are a necessary evil. Where are you from? London? Zoe, glibly. Hogsnorton, where the pigs play the organs. I'm Yorkshire-born. She holds his hand, which is feeling for her nipple. What I say? Call me Tootle Mouse. Start that and begin worse. Have you cash for a short time? Ten shillings? Bloom smiles, nods slowly. More glory, more. And more mothers? She pats him offhandedly with velvet paws. Are you coming into the music room to see our new pianola? Come and I'll peel off. Bloom, feeling his occiput dubiously with the unparalleled embarrassment of a harassed peddler gauging the symmetry of her peeled pears. Somebody would be dreadfully jealous if she knew. The green-eyed monster. Earnestly. You know how difficult it is. I needn't tell you. Zoe, flattered. What the eye can't see, the heart can't grieve for. She pats him. Come. Laughing witch. The hand that rocks the cradle. Babby. Bloom in baby linen and police, big-headed with a call of dark hair, fixes big eyes on her fluid slip and counts its bronze buckles with a chubby finger, his moist tongue tolling and lisping. One, two, three, 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 thong. The buckles. Love, love me, love me, not. love me. Zoe. Silent means consent. Little parted talons. She captures his hand, her forefinger giving to his palm the past touch of secret monitor, luring him to doom. Hot hands, cold gizzard. He hesitates, amid scents, music, temptations. She leads him towards the steps, drawing him by the odor of her armpits, the vice of her painted eyes, the rustle of her slip in whose sinuous folds lurks the lion reek of all the male brutes that have possessed her. The male brutes, exhaling sulfur of rut and dung, and ramping in their loose box, faintly roaring their drugged heads swaying to and fro. Good. Zoe and Bloom reach the doorway where two sister whores are seated. They examine him curiously from under their penciled brows and smile to his hasty bow. He trips awkwardly. Zoe, her lucky hand instantly saving him. Oops, uh, don't fall upstairs. Bloom. 
just man falls seven times. He stands aside at the threshold. After you is good manners. Ladies first, gentlemen after. She crosses the threshold. He hesitates. She turns and, holding out her hands, draws him over. He hops. On the antlered rack of the hall hang a man's hat and waterproof. Bloom uncovers himself, but seeing them, frowns, then smiles, preoccupied. A door on the return landing is thrown open. A man in purple shirt and gray trousers, brown-socked, passes with an ape's gait, his bald head and goatee beard upheld, hugging a full water jug jar, his two-tailed black braces dangling at heels. Averting his face quickly, Bloom bends to examine on the hall table the spaniel eyes of a running fox. Then, his lifted head sniffing, follows Zoe into the music room. A shade of mauve tissue paper dims the lights of the chandelier. Round and round, a moth flies, colliding, escaping. The floor is covered with an oilcloth mosaic of jade and azure and cinnabar rhomboids. Footmarks are stamped over it in all senses, heel to heel, heel to hollow, toe to toe, feet locked, a morris of shuffling feet without body phantoms, all in a scrimmage higgledy-piggledy. The walls are tapestried with a paper of euphrons and clear glades. In the grate is spread a screen of peacock feathers. Lynch squats cross-legged on the hearth rug of matted hair, his cap back to the front. With a wand, he beats time slowly. Kitty Ricketts, a bony, pallid whore in navy costume, doe-skin gloves rolled back from a coral wristlet, a chain purse in her hand, sits perched on the edge of the table, swinging her leg and glancing at herself in the gilt mirror over the mantelpiece. A tag of her corset lace hangs slightly below her jacket. Lynch indicates mockingly the couple at the piano. Kitty coughs behind her hand. <coughs> She's a bit imbecilic. She signs with a waggling forefinger. Blend, blend. Lynch lifts up her skirt and white petticoat with the wand. She settles them down quickly. Respect yourself. She hiccups, then bends quickly her sailor hat under which her hair glows red with henna. Oh, excuse. Zoe. More limelight, Charlie. She goes to the chandelier and turns the gas full cock. Kitty peers at the gas jet. What ails it tonight? Lynch, deeply. Enter a ghost and hobgoblins. Zoe. Clap on the back for Zoe. The wand in Lynch's hand flashes, a, bla a brass poker. Stephen stands at the pianola, on which sprawl his hat and ash plant. With two fingers, he repeats once more the series of empty fits. Flory Talbot, a blonde, feeble, goose-fat whore in a tatterdemalion gown of mildewed strawberry. Lolls spread eagle in the sofa corner, her limp forearm pendant over the bolster, listening. A heavy sty droops over her sleepy eyelid. Kitty hiccups again with a kick of her horsed foot. Oh, excuse. Zoe, promptly. Your boy's thinking of you. Tie a knot on your shift. Kitty Ricketts bends her head. Her boa uncoils, slides, glides over her shoulder, back, arm, chair to the ground. Lynch lifts the curled caterpillar on his wand. She snakes her neck, nestling. Stephen glances behind at the squatted figure with its cap back to the front. As a matter of fact, it's of no importance whether Benedetto Marcello found it or made it. The right is the poet's rest. It may be an old hymn to Demeter, or also illustrate Cayla Enarrant Glorian Domini. It is susceptible of nodes or modes as far apart as hyperphrygian and mixolydian and of texts so divergent as priests high-hooping around David's that is Circe's, or what am I saying, Ceres's altar and David's tip from the stable to his chief bassoonist about his almightiness. Mais non de non. That is another pair of trousers. Jete la gourme. 
Faut que jeunesse se passe. He stops, points at Lynch's cap, smiles, laughs. <laughs> Which side is your knowledge bump? The cap with Saturnine spleen. Bah, it is because it is. Woman's reason. Jew Greek is Greek Jew. Extremes meet. Death is the highest form of life. Bah. You remember fairly accurately all my errors, boasts, mistakes. How long shall I continue to close my eyes to disloyalty? Whetstone. Bah. Here's another for you. He frowns. The reason is because the fundamental and the dominant are separated by the greatest possible interval, which... Which? Finish. You can't. With an effort. Interval which is the greatest possible ellipse, consistent with the ultimate return. The octave which... Which? Outside the gramophone begins to blare the holy city. Stephen, abruptly. What went forth to the ends of the world to traverse not itself? God, the sun, Shakespeare, a commercial traveller, having itself traversed in reality itself, becomes that self. Wait a moment. Wait, wait, wait a second. Damn that fellow's noise in the street. Self which itself was ineluctably preconditioned to become? Echo! Lynch, with a mocking whinny of laughter, grins at Bloom and Zoe Higgins. <laughs> what a learned speech, eh? Zoe, briskly. Can't help your head. He knows more than you have forgotten. With obese stupidity, Flory Talbot regards Stephen. Flory. They say the last day is coming, Miss Star. Kitty. No! Zoe explodes in laughter. Great unjust God! Flory, offended. Well, it was in the papers about Antichrist. Uh, my foot's tickling. Ragged barefoot newsboys jogging a wagtail kite patter past yelling the newsboys. Stop, Stop press, press edition. edition. Result of the rocking horse races. Sea serpent in the Royal Canal. Safe arrival of Antichrist. Stephen turns and sees Bloom. A time, times, and half a time. Reuben J. Antichrist, wandering Jew. A clutching hand open on his spine stumps forward. Across his loins is slung a pilgrim's wallet from which protrude promissory notes and dishonored bills. Aloft over his shoulder, he bears a long boat pole, from the hook of which the sodden huddled mass of his only son, saved from liffy waters, hangs from the slack of its breeches. A hobgoblin in the image of Punch Costello, hip-shot, crook-backed, hydrocephalic, prognathic with receding forehead and alley-sloper nose, tumbles and somersaults through the gathering darkness. All. What? The hobgoblin, his jaws chattering, capers to and fro, goggling his eyes, squeaking, kangaroo hopping with outstretched clutching arms, then all at once thrusts his lipless face through the fork of his thighs. Il vient, c'est moi, l'homme qui rit, l'homme primigène. He whirls round and round with dervish howls. Sur les dames, faites vos jeux. He crouches, juggling. Tiny roulette planets fly from his hands. Les jeux sont faits. The planets rush together, uttering crepitant cracks. Rien ne va plus. The planets, buoyant balloons, sail swollen up and away. He springs off into vacuum. Flory, sinking into torpor, crosses herself secretly. The end of the world. A female tepid effluvium leaks out from her. Nebulous obscurity occupies space. Through the drifting fog without, the gramophone blares over coughs and feet shuffling. The gramophone. Jerusalem, open your gates and sing. A rocket rushes up the sky and bursts. A white star falls from it, proclaiming the consummation of all things and the second coming of Elijah. Along an infinite, invisible tightrope, taut from zenith to nadir, the end of the world, a two-headed octopus in Gilly's kilts, Busby and Tartan Philobegs, whirls through the murk, head over heels in the form of the three legs of man. The end of the world with a Scotch accent. 
Well dance the keel row, the keel row, the keel row. Over the passing drift and choking breath coughs, Elijah's voice, harsh as a corn crakes, jars on high, perspiring, in a loose lawn surplus with funnel sleeves, he is seen, verger faced, above a rostrum, about which the banner of old glory is draped. He thumps the parapet, Elijah. No yapping, if you please, in this booth, Jake Crane, Creole Sue, Dave Campbell, Abe Kirchner, do you coughing with your mouth shut? Say, I'm operating all this trunk line. Boys, do it now. God's time is 12.25. Tell mother you'll be there. Rush your order and you play a slick ace. Join on right here. Book to your attorney Junction, the non-stop run. Just one word more. Are you a god or a doggone clod? If the second advent come to Coney Island, are we ready? Flory Christ, Stephen Christ, Zoe Christ, Bloom Christ, Kitty Christ, Lynch Christ, it's up to you to sense that cosmic force. Have we cold feet about the cosmos? No. Be on the side of the angels. Be a prism. You have something within the higher self. You can rub shoulders with a Jesus, a Gautama, an Inger soul. Are you all in this vibration? I say you are. You were noble that congregation. A buck joyride to heaven becomes a back number. You got me? It's a life bright and ashore. The hottest stuff ever was. It's the whole pie with jam in. It's just the cutest, snappiest line out. It is immense. Super sumptuous. It restores. It vibrates. I know it. I am some vibrator. Joking apart and getting down to bedrock. A.J. Christ Doey and the harmonial philosophy. Have you got that? Okay, 77 West 69 Street. Got me? That's it. You call me up by sun phone any old time. Bum boozers, save your stamps. Now then, our glory song. All join heartily in the singing encore. Jeru, the gramophone drowning his voice. The disc wraps gratingly against the needle. The three whores covering their ears squawk. Elijah in rolled up shirt sleeves, black in the face, shouts at the top of his voice, his arms uplifted. Big brother up there, Mr. President, you hear what I done just been saying to you? Certainly. I sort of believe strong in you, Mr. President. I certainly am thinking now Miss Higgins and Miss Ricketts got religion way inside them. Certainly seems to me I don't see, never seen no wusser sacred female than the way you have been, Miss Flory. Just now as I done seed you, Mr. President, you come long and help me save our sisters dear. Our Mr. President, he twigged the whole lot and he ain't saying nothing. Kitty Kate. I forgot myself. In a weak moment, I heard and did what I did on Constitution Hill. I was confirmed by the bishop. My mother's sister married in Montmorency. It was a working plumber was my ruination when I was pure. Zoe Fanny. I let him larrup it into me for the fun of it. Flory Teresa. It was in consequence of a port wine beverage on top of Hennessy's three stars. I, I was guilty with thee then when he slipped it into bed. Stephen. In the beginning was the word, in the end the world without end. Blessed be the eight Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Dixon, Madden, Crothers, Costello, Lenahan, Bannon, Mulligan and Lynch, in white surgical students' gowns, four abreast, goose-stepping, tramp fast, past in noisy marching. The Beatitudes incoherently. Lister, in Quaker grey knee breeches and broad-brimmed hat, says discreetly, he is our friend. I need not mention names. Seek thou the life. He carantos by. Best enters in hair, dresser attire, shinily laundered, his locks and curl papers. He leads John Eglinton, who wears a mandarin's kimono of nankeen yellow, lizard-lettered, and a high pagoda hat. Best, smiling, lifts the hat and displays a shaven pole from the crown of which bristles a pigtail toupee, dyed with an orange topknot. I was just beautifying him, don't you know? A thing of beauty, don't you know? Yates says, or, I mean... Kate says. John Eglinton produces a green-capped dark lantern and flashes it towards a corner with carping accent. Aesthetics and cosmetics are for the boudoir. I, I want the truth. Plain truth for a plain man. Tandridge wants the facts and means to get them. In the cone of the searchlight, behind the coal scuttle, 
Olive, holy-eyed, the bearded figure of Menanen McClear, broods, chin on knees. He rises slowly. A cold sea wind blows from his druid mantle. About his head writhe eels and elvers. He is encrusted with weeds and shells. His right hand holds a bicycle pump. His left hand grasps a huge crayfish by its two talons. Menanen McClear, with a voice of waves. White Yeldon of the gods, occult commander of Hermes Trismegistus, with a voice of whistling sea wind. Punar Janam, Patsy Punjab, I won't have my leg pulled. It has been said by one, beware the left, cult of Shakti. With a cry of storm burns. Shakti, Shiva, <laughs> dark hidden father. He smites with his bicycle pump the crayfish in his left hand. On his cooperative dial glow, the Twelve signs of the zodiac. He wails with the vehemence of the ocean. Oh, baum, pajaum. I am the light of the homestead. I am the dreamery, creamery butter. A skeleton Judas hand strangles the light. The green light wanes to mauve. The gas jet wails whistling. Gas jet. Zoe runs to the chandelier and crooking her leg adjusts the mantle. Zoe. Who has a fag while I'm here? Lynch tossing a cigarette on the table. Yeah. Zoe, her head perched aside in mock pride. Is that the way you can hand the pot to a lady? She stretches up to light the cigarette over the flame, twirling it slowly, showing the brown tufts of her armpits. Lynch, with his poker, lifts boldly a side of her slip. Bare from her garters up, her flesh appears under the sapphire, a nixie's green. She puffs calmly at her cigarettes. Can you see the beauty spot of my behind? Lynch. I'm not looking. Zoe makes sheep's eyes. No. You wouldn't do a less thing. Would you suck a lemon? Squinting in mock shame, she glances with sidelong, meaning at bloom, then twists round towards him, pulling her slip free of the poker. Blue fluid again flows over her flesh. Bloom stands, smiling desirously, twirling his thumbs. Kitty Ricketts licks her middle finger with her spittle and gazing in the mirror smooths both eyebrows. Lipoti virag. Basilica Gremet shoots rapidly down through the chimney flue and struts two steps to the left on gawky pink stilts. He is sausage to several overcoats and wears a brown Macintosh under which he holds a roll of parchment. In his left eye flashes the monocle of Cashel Boyle O'Connor Fitzmaurice Tisdall Farrell. On his head is perched an Egyptian pshent. Two quills project over his ears. Virag, heels together, bows. My name is Virag Lipoti of Zompatali. He coughs thoughtfully, dryly. Promiscuous nakedness is much in evidence hereabouts, eh? Inadvertently, her back view revealed the fact that she is not wearing those rather intimate garments of which you are a particular devotee. The injection mark on the thigh, I hope you perceived? Good. Bloom. Grand Papachi, but... Number two, on the other hand, she of the cherry rouge and coiffeuse white, whose hair owes not a little to our tribal elixir of gopherwood, is in walking costume and tightly stazed, but by her sit... I should opine. Backbone in front, so to say. Correct me, but I always understood that the act so performed by skittish humans with glimpses of lingerie appealed to you in virtue of its exhibitionisticity. In a word, hippogriff. Am I right? She is rather lean. Virag, not unpleasantly. Absolutely. Well observed, and those pannier pockets of the skirt and slightly peg-top effect are devised to suggest bunchiness of hip. A new purchase at some monster sale for which a gull has been mulcted. Meretricious finery to deceive the eye. Observe the attention to details of dust pecks. 
Never put on you tomorrow what you can wear today. Parallax. With a nervous twitch of the head. Did you hear my brain go snap? Polysyllabax. Bloom, an elbow resting in a hand, a forefinger against his cheek. He seems sad. Virag, cynically, his weasel teeth, bared yellow, draws down his left eye with a finger and barks hoarsely. Hoax! Beware of the flapper and bogus mournful, lily of the alley. All possess bachelor's buttons discovered by Rualdus Columbus. Tumbler. Columbler. Chameleon. More genially. Well then, permit me to draw your attention to item number three. There's plenty of her visible to the naked eye. Observe the massive oxygenated vegetable matter on her skull. What ho, she bumps. The ugly duckling of the party, long casted and deep in keel. Bloom, regretfully. And you come out without your gun. We can do you all brands, mild, medium, and strong. Pay your money, take your choice. How happy could you be with either? With? His tongue upcurling. Lium! Look, her beam is broad. She is coated with quite a considerable layer of fat. Obviously, mammal, in weight of bosom, you remark that she has in front well to the fore two protuberances of very respectable dimensions, inclined to fall in the noonday soup plate, while on her rear lower down are two additional protuberances, suggestive of potent rectum and tumescent for palpitation, which leave nothing to be desired save compactness. Such fleshy parts are the product of careful nurture. When coop fattened, their livers reach an elephantine size. Pellets of new bread with fenugreek and gum benjamin swamped down by potions of green tea endow them during their brief existence with natural pincushions of quite colossal blubber. That suits your book, eh? Flesh pots of Egypt to hanker after. Wallow in it. Lycopodium. His throat twitches. Slap bang. There goes again. Sty, I dislike. Virag arches his eyebrows. Contact with a gold ring, they say. Argumentum ad feminum, as we said in old Rome and ancient Greece in the consulship of Diplodocus and Ichthyothorus. For the rest, Eve's sovereign remedy. Not for sale. Hire only. Huguenot. He twitches. It's a funny sound. He coughs encouragingly. <clears throat> but possibly it is only a wart. I presume you shall have remembered what I will have taught you on the head? Wheaten meal with honey and nutmeg. Bloom, reflecting. Wheaten meal with lycopodium and syllabax. A searching ordeal. It has been an unusually fatiguing day. A chapter of accidents. Wait, I mean, warts blood spreads warts, he said. Virag, severely, his nose hard humped, his side eye winking. Stop twirling your thumbs and have a good old thunk. See, you have forgotten. Exercise your namatemic. La cause est santa. Tara, tara. Aside. He will surely remember. Rosemary also today understands you to say oral willpower over parasitic tissues. Then nay, no, I have an inkling. The touch of a dead hand cures. Nemo? Virag, excitedly. I say so. I say so. In so. Technic. He taps his parchment roll energetically. This book tells you how to act with all the descriptive particulars. Consult index for agitated fear of aconite, melancholy of muriatic, Priapic pulsatilla. Virag is going to talk about amputation. Our old friend caustic. They must be starved. Snip off with horsehair under the den neck. But to change the venue to the bulgur and the basque, have you made up your mind whether you like or dislike women in male habiliments? With a dry snigger. You intended to devote an entire year to the study of the religious problem and the summer months of 1882 to square the circle and win that million. Pomegranate. From the sublime to the ridiculous is but a step. Pajamas, let us say, or stocking at gusseted knickers, clothes, or put we the case, those complicated combinations. Kamenickers? He crows derisively. Kiri 
Kiki! Bloom surveys uncertainly the three whores, then gazes at the veiled mauve light, hearing the ever-flying moth. I wanted then to have now concluded. Nightdress was never, hence this. But tomorrow's a new day will be. Past was, is today. What now is, will then tomorrow, as now, was be past yesterday. Virag prompts into his ear in a pig's whisper. Insects of the day spend their brief existence in reiterated coitum, lured by the smell of the inferiorly pulchritudinous female possessing extendified pudendal verve in dorsal region. Pretty pulp. His yellow parrot beak gobbles nasally. They had a proverb in the Carpathians in or about the year 5550 our era. Our one tablespoon of honey will attract friend brewing more than half a dozen barrels of the first choice malt vinegar. Bears buzz bothers bees. But of this apart, at another time we may resume. We were very pleased, we others. He coughs, and bending his bow, rubs his nose thoughtfully with a scooping hand. You shall find that these night insects follow the light, an illusion for remember their complex, unadjust unadjustable eye. For all these naughty points, see the 17th book of my Fundamentals of Sexology, or the love passion which Dr. L.B. says is the book sensation of the year. Some, to example, there are again whose movements are automatic, perceive. That is his appropriate son. Night bird, night sun, night town. Chase me, Charlie, buzz. Bee or blue bottle too, other day butting shadow on wall day's self, and me wanders day's damn shirt. Good job, I. Virag, his face impassive, laughs in a rich feminine key. Oh, splendid. Spanish fly in his fly or mustard plaster on his dibble. He gobbles gluttonously with turkey waddles. Bubbly jock, bubbly jock, where are we? Open sesame. Cometh forth. He unrolls his parchment rapidly and reads, his glowworm's nose running backwards over the letters which he claws. Stay, good friend. I bring thee thy answer. Red bank oysters will shortly be upon us. I'm the best o cook. The succulent bivalves may help us, and the truffles of Paragord, tubers dislodged through Mr. Omnivorous Porker, were surpassed in cases of nervous debility or viragitis. Though they stink, yet they sting. He wags head with cacking raillery. Jocular. With my eyeglass in my ocular. Bloom, absently. Ocularly woman's bivalve case is worse. Always open sesame, the cloven sex. Why they fear vermin creeping things. Yet Eve and the serpent contradict. Not a historical fact. Obvious analogy to my idea. The serpents too are gluttons for women's milk. Wind their way through miles of omnivorous forest to suck succulent her breast dry. Like those bubbly, jocular Roman matrons one reads of in Elephantiasis. Virag, his mouth projected in hard wrinkles, eyes stonily, forlornly closed, psalms in outlandish monotone. That the cows with their those distended udders that they have been the known. I am going to scream. I beg your pardon. Ah, so? He repeats. Spontaneously to seek out the Saurian's lair in order to entrust their teats to his avid suction. Ant milks Apis. Profoundly. Instinct rules the world in life and death. Virag, head askew, arches his back and hunched wing shoulders, peers at the moth out of blear bulged eyes, points a horning claw, and cries, Who's Jer Jer? Who's Jer Gerald? Oh, I much fear he shall be most badly burned. Will some pleased Persian, not now impediment, so catastrophic's mitigation of first class Tamblemunkin? He mews. Lus, puss, puss, puss. He sighs, draws back, and stares sideways down with dropping underjaw. Well, well, he doth rest anon. 
I'm a tiny, tiny thing ever flying in the spring, round and round a ring a ring. Long ago I was a king, now I do this kind of thing on the wing, on the wing. Bing! He rushes against the mauve shade, flapping noisily. Pretty, 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 pretty petticoats. From left upper entrance, with two sliding steps, Henry Flower comes forward to left front center. He wears a dark mantle and drooping plumed sombrero. He carries a silver-stringed inlaid dulcimer and a long-stemmed bamboo Jacob's pipe, its clay bowl fashioned as a female head. He wears dark velvet hose and silver buckled pumps. He has the romantic savior's face with flowing locks, thin beard and mustache. His spindle legs and sparrow feet are those of the tenor Mario, Prince of Candia. He settles down his goffered ruff and moistened his lips with a passage of his amorous tongue. Henry, in a low, dulcet voice, touching the strings of his guitar. There is a flower that blooms. Virag, truculent, his jowl set, stares at the lamp. Grave bloom regards Zoe's neck. Henry, gallant, turns with pendant dewlap to the piano. Stephen, to himself. Play with your eyes shut. Imitate power. Filling my belly with husks of swine. Too much of this. I will arise and go to my... Expect... This is the... Steve, thou art in a parlous way. Must visit or Deasy or Telegraph. Our interview this morning has left me on a deep impression. Though our ages will write fully tomorrow. I'm partially drunk, by the way. He touches the keys again. Mine accord comes now. Yes. Not much, however. Amadano Artifoni holds out a baton roll of music with vigorous moustache work. Artifoni. Ci rifletta. Lei rivina tutto. Flori. Sing us something. Love's old sweet song. No Steve. voice. I'm a most finished artist. Lynch, did I show you the letter about the lute? Flory, smirking. Ah, the bird that can sing and won't sing. The Siamese twins, Philip drunk and Philip sober, two Oxford dons with lawnmowers, appear in a window embrasure. Both are masked with Matthew Arnold's face. Philip sober. Take a fool's advice, all is not well. Work it out with the butt end of a pencil like a good young idiot. Three pounds twelve you got, two notes, one sovereign, few crowns, a few that knew. Moonies on the Moonies sur Mer, the Moira Larchet's whole street hospital. Burks, eh? Am I watching you? Philip drunk impatiently. Oh, bosh, man, go to hell. I paid my way. If I could only find out about octaves. Reduplication of personality. Who was it told me his name? His lawnmower begins to purr. Ah, yes. Zoe Nusas Agapopo. Have a notion I was here before. When was it? Not Atkinson, his car there somewhere. Mac, somebody. A uh, Mac, I have it. Yes, he told me about it. Hold on. Swim, was it? No. Flory. And this song? Stephen. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Flory. Are you out of moonies? You like some of the new ones? Stephen. Out of it now. To himself. Clever. Philip drunk and Philip sober. Their lawn mowers purring with a rigadoon of grass homes. Zoe. There was a priest down here two nights ago to do his bit of business with his coat buttoned up. You needn't try to hide, I say to him. I know you have a Roman collar. Virag. Perfectly logical from his standpoint. Fall of man. Harshly, his pupils waxing. To hell with the Pope. Nothing new under the sun. I am the Virag who disclosed the sex secrets of monks and maidens. Why left the Church of Rome? Read the priest, the woman, and the confessional. Penrose. Flipperty gibbert. He wriggles. Woman, undoing the sweet pudor of her belt of rush rope, offers her all-moist yoni to man's lingam. Short time after, man presents woman with pieces of jungle meat. Woman shows joy and covers herself with feather skins. 
Man loves her yoni fiercely with Big Langham, the stiff one. He cries. Coactus volui. Then giddy woman will run about. Strong man grasps woman's wrist. Woman squeals, bites, spucks. Man, now fierce angry, strikes woman's fat yagdanga. He chases his tail. Piff, puff, popo. He stops, sneezes. <laughs> he worries his butt. Lynch. I hope you gave the good father a penance. Mine glorious for shooting a bishop. Zoe spouts walrus smoke through her nostrils. He couldn't get a connection. Only, you know, sensation. A dry rush. Bloom. Poor man. Zoe, lightly. Only for what happened then. How? Virag, a diabolic rictus of black luminosity contracting his visage, cranes his scraggy neck forward. He lifts a moon-calf nozzle and howls. Vishurte goim! He had a father, forty fathers. He never existed. Pig god. He had two left feet. He was Judas Iacus, a Libyan eunuch, the Pope's bastard. He leans out on tortured forepaws, elbows bent rigid, his eye agonizing in his flat skull neck, and yelps over the mute world. A son of whore! Apocalypse! Kitty. A Mary Shortall that was in the lot with the pox she got from Jimmy Pigeon in the blue caps had a child of him that couldn't swallow and was smothered with the convulsions in the mattress. And we all subscribed for the funeral. Philip drunk, gravely. Philip sober, gaily. Kitty unpins her hat and sets it down calmly, patting her henna hair. And a prettier, a daintier head of winsome curls was never seen on a whore's shoulders. Lynch puts on her hat. She whips it off. Lynch laughs. And to such delights as Metchnikov inoculated anthropoid apes. Flory nods. Locomotor ataxy. Zoe, gaily. Oh, my dictionary. Lynch. Three wise virgins. Virag, agushik, and a profuse yellow spawn foaming over his bony epileptic lifts. She sold love filters, white wax, orange flower, panther, the Roman centurion, polluted with his genitories. He sticks out a flickering phosphorescent scorpion tongue, his hand on his fork. Messiah! He burnt her tympanum. With gibbering baboon's cries, he jerks his hips in a cynical spasm. Hick! Hack! Hack! Hock! Hook! Cock! Cook! Ben Jumbo Dollard. Rubicund, muscle-bound, hairy-nostrilled, huge-bearded, cabbage-eared, shaggy-chested, shock-maned, fat-papped, stands forth, his loins and genitals tightened into a pair of black bathing bag slops. Knackering castanet bones in his huge padded paws, yodels jovially in bass barrel tone. When love absorbs my ardent soul... The virgins, Nurse Callan and Nurse Quigley, burst through the ringkeepers and the ropes and mob him and with open arms, the virgins gushingly. A voice. Hold that fellow with the bad breeches. Ben Dollard smites his thigh in abundant laughter. Hold him now! Henry, caressing on his breast to see a severed female head, murmurs. Thine heart, my love. He plucks his loose strings. First I saw... Virag, sloughing his skins, his multitudinous plumage molting. Rats! He yawns, showing a coal-black throat, and closes his jaws by an upward push of his parchment roll. After I said which I took my departure, farewell, fare thee well, Drac. Henry Flower combs his mustache and beard rapidly with a pocket comb and gives a cow's lick to his hair. Steered by his rapier, he glides to the door, his wild harp slung behind him. Virag reaches the door in two ungainly stilt hops, his tail cocked and deftly claps sideways on the wall a puss-yellow flybill, butting it with his head. The flybill. K-11, post no bills. Strictly confidential, Dr. Hyde, thanks. Henry. All is lost now. Virag unscrews his head in a trice and holds it under his arm. Virag's head. Quack! Exeunt, severally. Stephen, over his shoulder to Zoe. 
You would have preferred the fighting parson who founded the Protestant era, but beware Antithenes, the dog sage, and the last end of Arius Heresiarchus, the agony in the closet. Lynch. All one and the same god to her. Stephen, devoutly. And sovereign lord of all things. Flory, to Stephen. I'm sure you are a spoiled priest, or a monk. He is the cardinal's son. Cardinal Sin, monks of the screw. His eminence, Simon Stephen Cardinal Daedalus, primate of all Ireland, appears in the doorway, dressed in red soutane sandals and socks. Seven dwarf simian acolytes, also in red cardinal sins, uphold his train, peeping under it. He wears a battered silk hat sideways on his head. His thumbs are stuck in his armpits and his palms outspread. Round his neck hangs a rosary of corks, ending on his breast in a corkscrew cross. Releasing his thumbs, he invokes grace from on high with large wave gestures and proclaims with bloated pomp. The Cardinal. Conservio lies captured. He lies in the lowest dungeon with manacles and chains around his limbs weighing upwards of three tons. He looks at all for a moment, his right eye closed tight, his left cheek puffed out. Then, unable to repress his merriment, he rocks to and fro, arms akimbo, and sings with broad, rollicking humour. The poor little fellow, he he's legs were yellow. He was plump, fat, and heavy, and brisk as a snake. But some bloody cabbage to graze his white cabbage. He murdered no flattery, stuck loving Drake. A multitude of midges swarms over his robe. He scratches himself with crossed arms at his ribs, grimacing, and exclaims, I'm suffering the agony of the damned by the hokey fiddle. Thanks be to Jesus, those funny little chaps are not unanimous. If they were, they'd walk me off the face of the bloody globe. His head aslant. He blesses curtly with four and middle fingers, imparts the Easter kiss, and double shuffles off comically, swaying his hat from side to side, shrinking quickly to the size of his train bearers, the dwarf acolytes giggling, peeping, nudging, ogling, Easter kissing, zigzag behind him. His voice is heard mellow from afar, merciful, male, melodious. Shall carry my heart to thee, shall carry my heart to thee, and the breath of the balmy night shall carry my heart to thee. The trick door handle turns. Thee. Zoe. The devil is in that door. A male form passes down the creaking staircase and is heard taking the waterproof and hat from the rack. Bloom starts forward involuntarily and, half-closing the door as he passes, takes the chocolate from his pocket and offers it nervously to Zoe. Zoe sniffs his hair briskly. Mm. Thank you, Mother, for the rabbits. I'm very fond of what I like. Bloom, hearing a male voice and talk with the horrors in the doorstep, pricks his ears. If it were he, after, or because not, or the double event? Zoe tears open the silver foil. Fingers were made before forks. She breaks off and nibbles a piece, gives a piece to Kitty Ricketts, and then turns, kittenishly, to Lynch. No objection to a French lozenge? He nods. She taunts him. Have it now, or wait till you get it. He opens his mouth, his head cocked. She whirls the prize in left circle. His head follows. She whirls it back in right circle. He eyes her. Catch. She tosses a piece. With an adroit snap, he catches it and bites it through with a crack. Kitty, chewing. The engineer art at the bazaar does have lovely ones, full of the best liqueurs. Mm, Viceroy was there with his lady. 
The gas we had on the Toft's hobby horses, oh, I'm giddy still. Bloom, in Svengali's fur overcoat, with folded arms and Napoleonic forelock, frowns in ventriloquial exorcism with piercing eagle glance towards the door. Then, rigid, with left foot advanced, he makes a swift pass with impelling fingers and gives the sign of past master, drawing his right arm downwards from his left shoulder. Go, 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 I conjure you, whoever you are. A male cough and tread are heard passing through the mist outside. Bloom's features... Relax. He places a hand in his waistcoat, posing calmly. Zoe offers him chocolate. Bloom, solemnly. Thanks. Zoe. Do as you like. Here. A firm heel clacking is heard on the stairs. Bloom takes the chocolate. Aphrodisiac? What I thought it. Vanilla cans or nemo? Confused light confuses memory. Red influences lupus. Colors affect women's characters, any they have. Black makes me sad. Eat and be merry for tomorrow. He eats. Influence taste too. Mauve. It was so long since I... Seems new. Afro. That priest. Must come. Better late than never. Try truffles at Andrews. The door opens. Bella Cohen, a massive whore mistress, enters. <laughs>